SSBL peeps, welcome to episode number four of Jacked here, the official podcast of the of the SSBL. And yes, there was an episode three, and yes, it is it is live. It just there was some technical difficulties, so you can hear my predictions and all my thoughts on on week two or week three going into week four. You can watch that or listen to that uh, on Spotify. Um, so week four has come and gone, and this is a is a very interesting first quarter. Uh, now that we're moving to a sixteen week season, the first quarter is done, and there's a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into, especially as we head into the first uh, first round of divisional play. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. But first, before we get into into that, this was also uh, the first round of free agency. And you know, as of this recording, we can go ahead and kind of talk about some of these uh, more, not necessarily the pickups, but the retirements that come along with this. And if you're new to the SSBL, the second period of free agency you must drop a player whether that's like within your within your entire system so that's the majors or the minors you drop a player wherever you whoever you see fit to drop you drop them um and with that being said um a lot of of household names in the ssbl have turned in their paperwork to league office to Announce their retirement. And with that being said, that's Marlon Morgan, Vale Tamayo, Mags Mulberry, Cal Cooley, uh, Lacey Fellows, Kristen Vell, and I believe there's one more, which is uh which was one that was a kind of a semi a semi gut punch to to read. And let me just confirm it real quick if it is indeed a retirement situation and how to retire like this in an instant fashion no so it is not a retirement but it's still a gut punch he is basically done for um after this season anyway and that is titus saxton of the ball players um started off with moonshots kind of went all over the place um and ended up with the ball players um for a handful of seasons um but he is not retired yet. He is still above the what we call Ryzen threshold. He's still above that. You need to be below a 175 to be uh, overall to be part of that conversation. Um, but let's get into it. Week four has come and gone. Day one, the Bombers, after losing in an upset fashion, to the Angels in week three, they came back with an absolute vengeance and they came to play. And the Mythic, who are trying to play spoiler after defeating the High Rollers in a dominating fashion in week three as a ten to, with a 10-5 to five score, the, the Mythic, you know, trying to play spoiler once again uh, and have the Bombers drop two in a row, but the Mythic were just flat. I mean, I think it was into the six we still had a perfect game going 
uh, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, I believe it was into the sixth. Um, but the Bombers just dominate here, thirteen to one is that uh, final score. There really isn't too much to talk about outside of just that. I think Dixon bounced back, you know, after struggling against the the Angels uh, in, in that one. Um, I believe Whitney also showed a stat of his, and it was uh, not pretty. Um, it's like 100-something ERA or something along those lines. It was a crazy stat, but I think he bounced back. If I remember correctly, Dixon did come into this game late um, to close things out. Um but yeah, Bombers just looked like how the Bombers should be looking against teams, especially like teams like the Mythic, who are, you know, on the rise, but still still a young, young team. So moving on to the second game of day one, this one was, how do I put this one? One of, like a, you can call it an instant classic in my opinion. I think this was a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Um, with the Gauchos taking on the Retrievers. This is a rematch of the um, Heroic Conference Finals in Season 8, and that's where, you know, this this Gaucho squad, just the pitching, the def- defense, just it, it was there. It was on, and it was exactly what the Gauchos needed to continue, you know, to stay undefeated, they now have a two-game lead in the division heading into divisional play where they've played the three teams in the division for the first time. So that could, you know, expand that lead uh, to, you know, three, you know, maybe, you know, depending on how the Dragons play. I mean, it could, you know, exp- you know that lead could be, you know, a much larger lead heading into interconference play once division round one is complete so you know solid victory for the gauchos an overall great performance uh even by you know the the retrievers it was just an overall great game to watch great game to commentate um definitely one of those games where it was like this could be a estv game of the week kind of situation but you know with with how i'm trying to have these teams at least at least have every team face or be on that game um, it just makes a lot more sense to, you know, to to have the Knights and Moonshots game, which we'll get into uh, here in a bit. Uh, to end day one was High Rollers and Angels. Similar situation with the Bombers. Uh, similar situation like the Bombers. High Rollers needed to bounce back um, after losing to the Mythic in, in week three. They're facing the team that knocked off the Bombers. The Angels and can the Angels, you know, do the things that they they needed to do to, you know, pull off that same upset uh, this time against the High Rollers and make that division a uh, that is the Phenoms an even crazier division than it already is. But Angels fell flat. High Rollers, you know, just just looked they looked good. Um, it was just an overall perfect. I wouldn't say perfect, but a great performance by the high rollers. Another good bounce. These are this a, I mean, outside of game two, day one was a bounce back day for for the Phenoms division. Um, Bombers needed that win. High rollers needed that win uh, to go into division play for for either of those teams. At two and two was not um, not the smartest or not this you know not the best scenario for either of those teams. 
Um, so Highlanders get the win 8-2 over the Angels, and the Angels now move to 2-2. Two and two. Moving on to day two, this game, this first game, Vikings Walkers. <coughs> this one, man, I really don't even know kind. Of, I don't even know how to describe it because it was like it, you could say, you know, it's you know, it was a pitcher's duel. You could say it was a defensive game, but I just truly think. Yes, the pitchers did great, but I I just think this game was just all about the uh, both offenses just sucked. Like I don't even think there was truly dominant performances in in my honest opinion by the pitchers. I just think the offenses sucked. I think the defenses played great, pitchers were good, but I think the offenses just purely sucked. And I think that's kind of where this is where the Vikings come into play and you're like, I who I don't I don't know. I don't know where these Viking this Vikings team sits. You know, they're they're two and two heading into divisional play. They start their division with the Knights, which should be a win. They should be able to start the division off, uh division play off with a win. But I, at the same time, the Knights could could do some damage. It is on the road for the Vikings. So they're at Swagger Center uh, taking on the Knights. And the Knights took the Dragons to, you know, the distance. And the Dragons are a much better squad than that of the Vikings. So, you know, it's it's a matter of can the Vikings team show up? We're back to the number the number ones in the rotation for week five. Uh, in the first day of divisional play, so back to that, um, back to that, which is great. Uh, it's great to be back with your uh, your number one pitcher. You know, you more, more than likely these managers took a look at their schedule and aligned these matchups to uh, these pitching matchups um, based off of who they are playing in that specific week. And I think you know with. With the Knights and Vikings, um, we're looking at that one. We're having McGeezax, which is a straight up, right out of the draft um, pitcher. And then with the Vikings, we're having Minshew, which from a pitching matchup, this should be Vikings all day. But, and a big but, is the offense has to show up. But we'll, we'll get into that more when we talk about the division picture as well you know how we're heading into division play and then we have game two of week uh of day two here in week four and the ball players annihilated the sparrows and something to note uh you know sparrows started off with an upset win what we kind of defined as an upset win of the mythic you know uh mythic were expected to win most people voted for the mythic in that one um and then the Sparrows just lost, barely lost to the Angels. But in these last two weeks, they have been outscored 24-2. to And yes, they have faced the Nova's top two teams and the Stingers and the ballplayers. But at the same time, they are only putting up two runs in two games and giving up 24. 24 runs 
in the last two weeks. So the Sparrow squad looking very rough. But on the opposite side, it's a nice win for the ball players heading into divisional play. They're at two and two. You know, you got the Stingers at the top four and oh, you got the Skulls and Cyclones at the bottom, oh and four. The only two oh and four teams in the entire Epic Conference in your division. You know, you're you're in a good spot with that win uh for the ball players, um, with, you know, the skulls on the horizon in week six, as well as the cyclones in week seven. So solid, massive win. Bojack Hoon played well, Toby Barker played phenomenal. Um, just a great overall win uh for that squad. Um much needed win for the ball players, like a nice statement win heading into division play. We head to day two, game three, and this one, this one could have gone either way. Um, obviously, if you watched it, you know it went five in favor of the overdrafts, uh, five to two. You know they got up five nothing. Um, it wasn't until what the I think eighth. Or ninth, actually, yeah, the ninth, where the the wrong fielders were able to put some runs on the board, but just too little, too late. Um, and I mean, and it was an absolute bomb though um, by Graham Salterberry. So, um, but it's just too little, too late. They lose five to two. Wrong fielders fall to one and three. Their only win being um, against the Express who expressed her a three and one team. So, and that's where this, like, this is another question. One of those question mark teams, very much like the Vikings. Um, I just, I don't know what this squad, I don't know, you know, what the squad is truly capable, capable of. I know they have the pieces, but it's just the execution. I don't know if they need to make, you know, some swaps, and you know pitching staff and move some people into the starting rotation or into the bullpen i don't know if it's you know moving you know the batting order i don't know i really don't know what this squad this squad is a very interesting one um and the overdrafts who we thought you know they lost six five to the express and they beat the walkers six nothing and they beat the vikings four to two you know, this squad is now three and one sitting tied at the top of the division with the Liberty, which was not something we expected heading into this season. We did not expect the overdrafts to be in their position heading into division play at three and one. Um, I mean, I probably expected the inverse of that one and three um, just because, you know, even though this overdrafts team seems like they're tanking, it seems like, it seems like that's what's what's going on, but in reality, they have the right pieces to still make an impact here in the the heroic conference, as well as, well as in the icons division. So, overdrafts are here to play. I don't, you know, they they start off against the moonshots should be a nice win, and then the ESTV game of the week in week six is overdrafts Liberty. So Liberty and overdrafts making their ESTV game of the week debut. Um, in week six so you know the the overdrafts and liberty game could be a very very important game as liberty faced the retrievers uh on uh, today on week five day one moving on to 
Week four, day three. This first game. This first game. This was a snooze fest by all snooze fest. Um, for a team like the Wildcats who have such a powerful offense and the team like the Skulls who on paper, who on paper have a great offense, the Skulls don't know. They have left their bats at home. I don't know where. I think they left them at Motor Yard when they just annihilated the Walkers in spring training. I think that's where they left them, and they just they haven't you know sent a, a latest shipping label to receive them. They're, the Skulls just don't know how to, number one, get on, on base, hit, like get hits, but also just get on base in general. They are not able to you know, to draw walks. That's where I think a lot of their, you know, struggles come into this is you're, you're not able to draw a walk. And that's a very, very key thing to have here in the SSBL. We're looking at it. They have seven total walks as a unit. And that's, that's not good. That's not good. So, I mean, looking at it, um, seven total walks, you know, it's, that's, that's just rough, man. That's just rough. <coughs> it's, let's see, we have Sparrows at five walks, Cyclones at five walks, and that's it. Everyone else has at least one. Yeah, a couple of eights in there, but still seven, seven walks. And we're looking at the base hit total of 18, 18. The ball players had 16 in, in their game against the Sparrows in that game alone, that game alone. So I don't know what's going on with this goal team. The batting order has changed. It'll change here from week five going forward. We'll see if that does anything. And if not, you know, we'll see what the, the Skulls um, squad ends up doing. But the Wildcats get a, a nice win. They, you know, now sit at the top of the Galaxy Division. Um, three and one is their record. Um, and they start off their, um, their division play with the Mythic, um, which should be... An interesting matchup depends on which mythic squad we get it'll be at Ben Bowl. so with that I do give the advantage to the Wildcats moving on to game two here on day three the Dragons and Lumberjacks I was really excited for this matchup I think this was a matchup that I out of all of them this week outside of retrievers gauchos really uh, and serpent stingers this was this was like number three for me. Dragons, Lumberjacks. This one was kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's not a do or die situation by any means, but you know, the Lumberjacks came in at two and one. The Dragons came in at two and one. So somebody's going home with a three and one record heading into divisional play. And who needs it the most? would probably be the dragons in my opinion i think you know the dragons have the gauchos so depends on if the gauchos you know do the you know same situation they did last year they kind of flop toward the end of the end of the season but it's also you know the the legends 
even though it's a you know a, a coin toss kind of a division the lumberjacks should handle that those three teams at least on paper they should i expect them to do f- very well uh at least taking two of three in these next three weeks uh when we have our first round divisional with the dragons though i expect them to go um take two of three as well um which you know taking two of three for the dragons puts them at four and three um and for the lumberjacks puts them at five and two um so you know that's that's why I say the Dragons probably needed that more. There's a better chance of the Lumberjacks going with a sweep of the division the first round than the Dragons. And the Dragons and wrongfielders might be a, a solid game. Again, we don't know what the wrongfielders, who the wrongfielders are. Uh, I think we haven't really known who the wrongfielders are since, um, and we didn't even know that in, in season one. It kind of came out of nowhere and upset the ball players. But regardless the this game dragons lumberjacks dragons jump up to a four nothing lead and i'm thinking okay the dragons are here to play look at them go but it didn't take long it did not take long at all the lumberjacks came back tied it up took the lead and added an additional run and took the w at home against the dragons uh, I believe it was a RBI from Wreck Dreams. I think an RBI double that put them uh, in the lead at five four. <clears throat> and, you know, and this this one was you know, a great game. Great game. Um, Lumberjacks got a nice nice win heading into d- divisional play. Dragons fall, but I still think you know they um, they got you know the wrong fielders and walkers to start, so they don't even have to play the gauchos until week seven so they they have an easier i guess you can say situation lumberjacks though play the express in, in week five which will be an interesting one to say the least um since they're both tied at three and one so someone's going to take control of that division here uh in week five um lumberjacks express uh dragons and wrong fielders is here on day one of divisional play in week five moving on to the the final game of day three unicorn cyclone score says five two score says five two this game was a lot a lot a lot closer than a three-run ball game this game was tight it wasn't until late until they got those insurance runs. But this game was tight. Cyclones kept it close. Cyclones are, I think, kind of going to be that team uh, the whole season. Not really going to win many games, but they're going to be close. Just like they kind of were last season. They were just close every single game. Um, battled back a few times. They <clears throat> Somebody's going to get a win. Next, uh, this week, uh, Cyclone Skulls, they face off first in division, both 0-4. Someone's getting their first win of the season. Someone's falling to 0-5. Um, but, yeah, that was a much closer game than anticipated. And it kind of just said, like, I don't really know if it says more about 
which team I think the unicorns still are a little bit flat I think they should have dominated this team in my opinion completely dominated um, but it's just this unicorn team this season is it's an odd one to say the least um, you know they they've had you know their matchups to give them the benefit of the doubt have been super tough ball players in week one stingers in week two they get to annihilate the skulls in week three and they get to beat the cyclones in week four they start off their division play against the angels so that should be a win but we'll see what angel squad shows up <coughs> we move on to day four and we'll start with the, se the second game of day four second game liberty express Liberty were up seven to nothing. And the the Express were up seven to nothing. The Liberty started battling back, battling back, and in that ninth inning they had they had it. You're one of the and we'll get into the MVP rates later, but an MVP candidate in trailer crane had the chance of a lifetime to keep the game going. He had two runners aboard, one ounce. And he grounds it up the middle, and they turn the dragon special to end the game and end the undefeated season uh, hopes of the Liberty, which no one really hoped or even anticipated them to start off three 0 to begin with. But their undefeated season s stops here. They now fall to three and one. Express then moved to three and one. So now it's getting very crazy here. We have two. Of these uh, two of the teams in uh, part of the expansion of last season, both in the heroic, sitting at three and one, heading into divisional. It's kind of wild to think about um, with those two teams. So we'll go back to the first game of of the day, and this one. <coughs> what a game this was. Serpent strike first with a pizza home run. And then, you know, Stingers bounce back. They get that. Uh, get those runs that they need. Um, bats are just, you know, performing pretty well here. They get a, a solid, um, you know, they put up a five spot in the fourth. They're now up seven to two. Get another run in the fifth. They're up eight two. But then here comes the Serpents. Score two runs in the sixth, two in the seventh. And we head to the eighth where they get another run to make it seven to eight. And then Leon Morrison hits one into the corner and scores a run. The second run comes into score and they take a nine to eight lead. Panic is at an all-time high here for the stingers as they head to the ninth down 10 to 8 10 to 8 ladies and gentlemen actually no take that back they get a home run from none other than heidi bear to make a 10-9 but they head into the ninth is what i'm getting at they head into the ninth down which is a scary situation for anybody but especially this team in the uh, in the stingers against a squad like the serpents 
So, you know, a fly ball uh, from Dink, high grass uh, to left for out number one. Swole Brotani comes up and he hits one to center and ties the game up. His second home run of the day. And we are now going to head to extras after a couple of uh, two straight batters uh, getting out there. We head to extras and it gets kind of intense here for for Princess Leia. Um, uh, struggling uh, to, against this offense, giving up um, giving up a single to Kaladin Stormblast. And then Alfred Walker dribbles one back up to Princess Leia. She tries to turn two, but only gets the lead runner, which is fine. But now you have trouble with Leon Morrison, who grounds it up the middle, first and second. One out, gets a strikeout. Then you bring up Jerry Briggs, and you walk the guy. So pressure's at an all-time high here. You have a veteran in Yeti Olsen who comes in the uh, – who who's at the plate and you get him you fall behind three one which is a scary thing and he takes one he takes the three one pitch over the head it looks like of dallas texas but he climbs the ladder makes the play and then dallas texas says i'm gonna go ahead and put it oh i'm gonna just end this game i stopped you know, prevented like two or three runs potentially coming in. I'm going to end it here on the first at bat here for in the extras for the Stingers. And they walk off and defeat the Serpents and move to 4-0. and The Serpents fall to 3-1. and A fabulous game. A fabulous, fabulous game we had here um, on this. Um, again, this is another one of those candidates what could have been an ESTV game of the week situation. But at the same time, this was also, <clears throat> again, scheduling, getting as many of the teams within the SSBL, because trying to get all 24 some type of spotlight on the ESTV game of the week, it's a bit tough. So things happen, but we were still able to watch this one on Twitch and get some really exciting action uh, in that one, which moves us to the ESTV game of the week um, and the Knights and the Moonshots. Somebody's going to get their first win of the season. Someone's going to fall to 0-4, heading into divisional play. And this game was was just just an interesting one, to say the least. Um, Knights jump up 2-0, 3-1. And it's Sinclair McGee was doing decent. Um, The bats of the the moonshots are just kind of flat and that's that's kind of like they can get hits they get more hits than the skulls say that but like they they're just kind of flat they they're not consistent enough um i don't really know exactly who is even leading that team uh, from a batting uh, perspective, um, go ahead and I'll go ahead and check that. Actually, now that we have um, the stat, shout out to everyone who has helped um, with the stats 
and whatnot. I mean, we're looking at this squad, and I mean, you have a couple people batting over 300. You have, it looks like, Ernest Money, Heather Anding, um, Mary Quiet Contrary, and then Shorty Hightower. They're all batting over 300, but you have, um, let's see, a 200 batter. Taft, Taft Latham is two for 14 this season. Uh, two for 11 is Moosh, and they're both home runs, so she only knows how to hit home runs. Hello, Joey Gallo of the SSBL. Um, Nick Hugh is just struggling in his final season. He is one for 17 with eight strikeouts. That guy, poor guy. Um, poor guy indeed with with Nick Hugh. Um, but this, this team, man, the, this Moonshots team, they're young. Yeah, they have some veterans on the on the team, but at the same time, this Knights team is just a tad bit older with a tad bit more of of dog in them, and and that's just why you know they took up an eight to one lead, you know, and that was just kind of all she wrote. Moonshots tried to battle back, made it a little bit interesting in the end, um, but nonetheless, the Knights get. The eight to five win and move to one and three heading into divisional play. Which we'll go ahead and move into that here on the Jack Podcast. Um looking at just the divisions, we're just gonna take a look real quick. Heroic conference. We'll take a look at the Legends division. Uh, this is you know, out of the three divisions, this is one that I find actually this is the second most interesting in this uh, in this conference and we'll get to the most interesting as a third one legends division lumberjacks three and one express three and one vikings two and two knights one and three i mean someone more than likely you know vikings should beat the knights should we talked about it earlier vikings should be the knights depends if their pitching shows up with Minshew. um and Express and Lumberjacks, one of those teams more than likely will be tied with the Vikings at three and two after this week. And things are gonna get even crazier because if you look at the other side, you've got um within your within your conference, you have other teams sitting at three and one as well, Liberty and Overdrafts, and then at the top, Gauchos at four and one. So it, it's just this is a as division play starts you know things are really going to get crazy leads in the divisions are going to shift they might you know get you know a larger lead i mean the the largest lead we have in this is a two like from a second place perspective is is two games back um and that is the ball players are two games back of the stingers and the dragons are two games back of the gauchos we have a three-way tie in the phenoms and the epic which we'll get to that division in a minute um but i expect the lumberjacks to come out i believe ben Tojam's on the mound i believe he's going to come out and do what he did um for his the first game of the season for them and then uh, i expect the vikings to win so looking at that you have lumberjacks potentially a four and one express at three and two vikings three and two and one and four knights um, we'll head to the evolution. Gauchos, 
Dragons, wrong fielders, walkers. Walkers are 0-4. Gauchos 4-0. This first week is Gauchos, walkers. This should. This is Motor Yard Madness with Gauchos and walkers playing in Motor Yard. Gauchos should win this. Moved 5-0. That's just... I, I They have given up five total runs in four games. The walkers have scored three. Unless something happens with RNG just says, you know what? I do not want the Gauchos to to move on to 5-0. and oh. I want them to be demoralized by the Walkers. If Unless that happens, Gauchos move to 5-0. and oh. Walkers drop to 0-5. And, and then you get a little tricky with the Dragons' wrong fielders because if you look at the last, you know, end of last season, the playing games, post, like all that, this matchup is one that is kind of a flipping of the coin. If the Dragons offense can show up the way that they have the last two weeks, which yes, they did lose to, um, they did lose this past week. But besides the, besides that, their offense showed up. It did, you know, fall apart after that first four, nothing lead. But, you know, if the offense that is there, Duke town, Noah Walker, if those guys show up, this should be a, a, a relatively simple win for the Dragons, um, which would move them to three and two and move the wrong fielders to one and four. Now I move into what I refer to as the most interesting division in this entire, probably this entire league this season. Because of the unexpected, the the phenoms you can you know say that they're that's also a very interesting situation. Galaxy kind of a situ- interesting situation with the unicorns and angels tied at two and two, but we look at this icons division: the Liberty three and one, Overdraft three and one. The defending champs are two and two. And the moonshots on four, but you know we expect that. The Liberty face the Retrievers here. On day one, and the overdrafts face the moonshots here on day one. Overdraft should win. There is no reason for them not to. So they should move to four and one. And on the other side, should move to 0 and 5 or fall to 0 and 5 moonshots. Now you look at the Liberty and Retrievers game this week. This game could go, it could go either way. If we look at it, the Retrievers are at home. We're at Sakura Hills. We're at the home of the dogs and the home of the storm slash cyclones. You know, we're, it's, we're the homes of the dogs and the storms here. I think Liberty are going to come and cause a disaster here. In this division, I I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the dogs have that dog in them. I think it's going to be you know crazy to start. I think the Liberty are going to jump out possibly to a quick quick lead and then fall off. I think that might happen. And then you got yourself with the um with this division if the liberty win this game they move to four and one and they're still tied at the top with overdrafts assuming they beat the moonshots if the liberty fall they are now third 
just due to head to head with receivers being Liberty here, fall to third and go to three and two, which would put them from the third seed to the sixth seed, depending on every other outc- every other outcome in this conference. That's not what you want if you're the Liberty. Um, especially heading into your overdraft game, which makes it even more important. Um, and if you look ahead at uh, even looking at the uh, interconference games as we head into week uh, eight and week nine, you know, we have the Liberty facing the Mythic and May facing the Sparrows. So you need, if you're the Liberty, you need to go to you need to you need to win at least two of these three games moonshots should be a victory it's the toilet bowl from last year moonshots should lose that one liberty should take it but you gotta take one of overdraft retrievers if not both but why because you have probably in my opinion one of the easiest easiest interconference schedules serpents are probably right behind that serpents have the overdrafts which will be a tough game and the walkers should be a blowout so with that being said you sh- that should should you know be a very easy cakewalk for the the liberty but they have to do at least like i said they have to win at least two of these games they need to head into interconference at five and two at the worst you know if they're able to go six and one heading into the conference they're going to head into the second round of uh the conference play all the other four teams that they have not played with a potential eight and one record which is like in the driver's seat to make um, make a division title run. <clears throat> we'll move to the Epic Conference. And we'll keep the Phenoms for last. We'll start with the Novas. It's very cut and like very straightforward. I mean, Stingers can extend their lead in the conference here in week in week five with a win o- over the ball players. They can move to five and zero, oh, make it a three uh, three uh, game advantage in that conference and then you have the skulls taking on the cyclones which i don't even know who's going to win this game you're looking at it skulls have scored five runs this this year giving up 18 cyclones have given up four i mean scored four and given up 21 so a minus 13 for the skulls a minus 17 for the cyclones so it literally could be either of these teams um this this uh game is played at Bengata, so I don't know if there's an advantage really for the Skulls if they can't even hit the ball. But we'll see. It's Kyle Edwards as well, which is a tough, tough, tough matchup. It's Kyle Edwards versus Newt Castle. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. But should be, you know, and if the ball players get the win, you know, that, you know, just moves them one one step closer but those two losses that they took at the hands of the wildcats and at the hands of the serpents are gonna might come back to bite them um because stinger should handle the skulls and cyclones fairly easily 
and those are just free wins. So ball players need to get a victory over the Stingers here in week five to just even stay close to the Stingers because I just think the Stingers are way ahead of everybody here. Um, they're way ahead of everybody. <coughs> we'll talk about the Galaxy. Galaxy is an interesting one because obviously the Unicorns are not where we expected the Unicorns to be. Unicorns are a two and two tie with the Angels, and they, they play each other here, and we uh, and on day two, where the Wildcats get the Mythic to start. I don't even know what to say about this Unicorns team as we look at their run differential of six, so they're plus six, which is great. Not you know it could be better. You know, you have teams like, you know, plus 13, 11, 26, 13, you know, lots of double digits, but they're plus six. And they're in, within their division, they had the best run differential. But that's only because Wildcats have given up one more run. This, the, the, the fact that the Angels have scored the most runs in this division is the scariest part of this division. They have given up the second most runs, and they've given up 22, where the Mythic have given up 23. But the fact that they have scored 17 runs in their four games, where your leaders in the Wildcats and your, your you know, the team that the Angels are tied with, uh, the Unicorns have only scored 12 in four games. Mythic have scored more than the Wildcats and Unicorns. They have scored 13. And yes, they have given up way more runs. But that's like it's it's these offenses need to show up and especially this unicorns offense needs to show up against the angels where you know you're you have valet renault on the mound and you have sensu Wu on the mound and the the, the the unicorns need to capitalize on that that is a matchup in their favor and they need to get that victory against the angels move to three and two and you know just get closer to the wildcats you they face the wildcats um looks like in week number seven they face the wildcats so that's where i think you know you really need to you know take these next two weeks get those wins under, under your belt against angels and mythic and head into the wildcats game with a very like a one run uh, i mean not one run one game back um of the wildcats if uh, if not you know, maybe tied. Maybe the Wildcats, uh, you know, slip up against uh, the Angels and Mythic in their two two battles. <coughs> but don't see that happening. I see heading into the Wildcats Unicorns, it's going to be a one-game advantage uh, for the Wildcats. And then the Wildcats have gotten the best of the Unicorns last season in the last two appearances. So, you know, it comes down. I mean, that's going to be a fantastic game. Don't know what game. I mean, that's week seven. Don't know the ESTV game of the week yet for that week. Um, we'll see how week five kind of plays out before we get to that. So we move into the Phenoms, and it's exactly what we expected. <coughs> Bombers, High Rollers, Serpents are all three and one. It's all down to run differential. Where the Bombers lead with 16, High Rollers with 10, Serpents with 5. They've all scored 20-plus runs, 24 for the Serpents and 26 for both the Bombers and High Rollers. The first matchup is Bombers-High Rollers. You have your Season 6 champs and your Season 7 champs 
facing off serpents get a nice easy but it should be easy game but the high rows and bombers do not start off easy they do not start off easy and the, this is a you know this is one of those you know obviously every game is a must win but this is one of those games where you know i think it matters more for the high rollers than it does for the bombers i still think it matters for the bombers but i think the high rollers need it more than the bombers because the bombers i think can hold their own i think the high rollers just they have the pieces but they don't in my opinion don't have the depth that the bombers have and i think that's where it's going to come into play so heading into you know this is it could be a toss-up i do expect the serpents to head into um their second week of division four and one sparrows one and four bombers and high rollers that is just a toss-up man i mean it can go either way these two teams both have scored 26 runs bombers have given up 10 high rollers have given up 16 so there's only a six run difference between the two i don't know this is going to be a tough one to call um as we head to uh the estv game of the week um is that matchup bombers high rollers <clears throat> so we talked about how after you know the conclusion of week four will you know go down and we'll do the um we'll see where everything stands in regards to the um the mvp races uh, obviously we're doing a bit different we're using the mvp you know screens if you get first you get three points second um two points so on so forth so three three points for first two for second and one for third um same thing for pitchers um but we're, we're categorizing them differently here we're categorizing them differently so obviously if you were in the heroic and you are a batter you will be put into the mvp race if you are in the heroic you'll be put in the and you're a pitcher you'll be put in the pitcher's race same thing for the epic and no it's not like the the minors where there's double points for the um it's double points for the pitchers because in this situation you're just going up against pitchers anyway the points don't matter the the, the multiplier does not matter because um, you're not reaching a threshold to get um, a buff uh, of progression so same point threshold um, for pitchers and batters here we, we look at the heroic <clears throat> and I was going to do the top three and by top three I mean like I was supposed to do like you know first second third and that was kind of it but there's a there's there's a tie sitting at third so we're basically going to go through whatever that tie is and it's a four-way tie at third We'll start with the third third place. You have Liam Fryshack, Manny Musgroves, Mookie Astaire. They both sit at four MVP points. We're all four, excuse me, sit at four MVP points. So that, with that, you have an overdraft player in Mookie Astaire. You have a Liberty player in Matty Musgroves, uh, Vikings in Liam Fryshack, and then Gauchos and Brutus Banger. Then you move to second. You have Trailer Crane. Sitting at second in the MVP race at five points. And then at the top of the heroic, you have Jay Watt sitting at six. He's got two first place finishes. So that's where we're sitting. Jay Watt, Trailer Crane, and then a four-way tie at third between Mookie Astaire, Matty Musgroves, Liam Freishak, Bruce Banger. There's a ton of people that are right behind them. And by a ton, I mean 12. They're at three. So 
when we do this second recap or second race update after the conclusion of week eight once we're halfway through the season this will look a whole lot different <clears throat> might even have an actual top three with no ties we'll see where we will have the most ties until probably the as we had probably like until the third quarter uh concludes in this season will be in the pitching side of things the pitching side is going to have lots of threes so basically i'm just going to say who's got the threes um there are a total of seven in the heroic with threes Leela Blurns, Joey Chestnut, Jeff Hainter, Jake Carter, Hattie May, Do Something, and Donnie Bonatello. All of these get their, well, not all of these, but, you know, some of these will get their, their second chance at adding some points to the board um, as they start their second, you know, they have their, their second start. Um as we we start the second um quarter of this season we'll go ahead and swap to epic pitcher of the year as well uh, before we get into the epic epic mvp um and in this side we um we have 10 with three which is an interesting one we have windswept enriquez trevor belmont pot of gold noah terry leon morrison Landor Lakes, Gwen Morello, Dice K, and uh, Bart's Polo Clone, and Austin Floston sitting at three. So, and the thing is, there are and there are, <clears throat> excuse me, twenty eight pitchers that have gotten on the MVP board in the epic, and only nineteen have gotten on the board in the heroic. So interesting to see there. Uh, move to the. MVP race and it's an interesting one like like one that I mean we have we have lots of ties here we have lots of ties and we'll actually go through each of the ties because basically with the ties we have 14 players for the three spots uh, in the tie for third at three points apiece, you have Augusta Wind, Big Blaze, Buddy Moon, Dallas, Texas, Ferris Irons, Heidi Bear, Instante Potato, Jerry Magana, uh, Sandy Bash, I believe is who that's supposed to be. It says base should be Bash. Um, and then Swolhe Brotani. <coughs> that's your third, tied for third. Now you move to your three-way tie for second. Danny Diamonds, Papa Dog, and Toby Barker. So you have two ball players and a bomber tied at second. But the fact is uh, the person who's sitting at the top in the epic is someone on, who's not just on a team that we didn't expect, but someone who just we didn't expect at all, and that is Wash Jotley. And I'll go ahead and say this. I submitted Jay Watt. That was a submission for me. I did not submit this guy. Good old friend, big deal, Nabil. As you guys might know, his in-game character, Nabil Pervez, for the Stingers, he's the one who submitted this guy. Wash Jotley. He's at six points. He's got a two-point lead here. 
heading into week five. So that's the MVP and pitcher of the year race. Again, we will come back with an update after the conclusion of week eight. While we're halfway through the season, it'll be a quarterly thing. So every four weeks, we will uh, break down that. So we got ourselves one heck of a week uh, starting divisional play. I'm going to sign off here and thank you guys for tuning in. I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for everyone who tunes into the streams, turns into ESTV, tunes into the podcast when it's uploaded on time. Uh, so thanks as always for tuning in. My name is Jay Watts. We'll see you guys next week for another episode of Jacked. Keep on rigging, everybody.